0: Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings And listen in as we seek to inspire our church And the people of our city to encounter Jesus And just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible Um, This week uh, we're on a our collection of talks is a bit like this. We'll come up with a bit of a title and we will wrap it in some way, but in reality what we're doing is we're getting back to the Gospels and looking at Jesus's sort of ministry, his life, some of the things that he said, and just allowing us to look again into the face of Jesus and the priorities of Jesus. I think that's probably a good thing at this season. Um, Today we're going to get into um, one of the big parables that a lot of you will be familiar with, but before that, just sort of to, to build it up a wee bit. No, um, over the lockdown and over all of the pandemic stuff, we have tried not to talk about it every week because, well, anyone else fed up talking about it every week? And, but there's a little bit of like light at the end of the tunnel, isn't there? No, we've all got our jobs, yeah. And um, yeah, there's just a sense of hope. But I was thinking just really about this last year and thinking of who would I least like to be. And and there's obvious things. But from a pastoral point of view, one of the things I am so glad I didn't have to do this year was organize a wedding. Now think about that one. Because when I got married, I remember people. No, I say this because I'll just say people because you know what I mean by people. Know those people who love to come and tell you how miserable your life's going to be. And they come to you and say things like, oh, you're just about to get married. Oh, there's nothing more stressful than getting married. And then they'll say, there's nothing more stressful than buying a house. And you're just out of uni, aren't you? Oh, there's nothing more stressful than trying to find a job. And they just, they just love to do that. And then no, you get married and then you have kids. Oh, first two years are awful. Well, oh, my first year was great. Oh, the next year are gonna be even worse. And no, people just love this stuff. But planning a, mar- a wedding during this year would have been complicated. You know, the restrictions. So I, I was trying to put myself into that position and think to myself, no, okay, I've got 50 guests, who would I invite? And I probably looked back at my own wedding and went, oh, just the people I wanted there, not the people my mom and dad wanted as well. Yeah, that's probably about right. So, um, but you think about preparing that list and you're sitting there and you're in the room with your parents. Let's go with parents. And you now parents can be helpful during wedding planning, but let's face it, they can also be awful, can't they? Um, uh, and not very helpful. And so you you sit there. You're making your list, and you're you've got 50 names. You you go for the usual suspects. Okay, so mom and dad are invited because they're paying okay they get to come and, and you've got the wee granny and the whatever and they have to come and then you have a few entitled people because there's always a few entitled people that sort of feel like they should be there and it'll cause a whole family riot if they're not so just to keep the peace they can come and then you've got your friends your core your people you really want there and so they get to come and you add all this up and you get to 60 but you can only have 50 so 10 are going to get cut And so they get the cut down and you've got your 50 names and you send out your invitations. And the people on the other side, well, they get the invitations and they're all like, oh, check me out. I made the cut. Check me. I was wanted. I must mean so much to that couple that are getting married. See me. I'm brilliant. And then someone else might say to you, I was a wee bit annoyed that I didn't get an invite to the wedding. And you're like, well, it is their day after all, you know, you know, they can invite who they have to oh There's restrictions because you're just brilliant because you got an invite. And then, well, comes Tuesday, and Boris Johnson stands up and says, we can no longer have 50 at a wedding, we need to have 30. Oh, could you imagine? You've already sent out the invites, and now you have to sit in a room, and you have to pick 30, you have to cut 20. Oh, and they're going to know, they're going to know that they are not as important to you as they thought they were. They're going to know that all of a sudden they are not your priority and not your core, and well, that's going to hurt. Well, today I want to talk about a feast. I want to talk about a banquet where everyone is invited, where everyone has a seat at the table, where everyone is so valued, so desired, so wanted. In fact, if you're not there, it's just not going to be the same. If you're not there, it's just not going to be the same. It's going to be a party like no others. It's going to have a venue that's indescribable. The father who's thrown the feast, well, he has limitless resources. And you have a seat at the table. We're going to get to that in a moment. We're going to get to what Jesus is talking about and talking about that banquet and talking about that seat in the kingdom of God. But to set a bit of context to it, I want this to sort of go on a little bit of a journey. And, well, we do this, don't we? We go back. And I want us to go back to King David. And King David is the king of Israel. Uh, And he, well, King Saul didn't work out too well, so we'll have King David. No, anybody thinks of Israel, anybody thinks of the Jews, they think of King David, Star of David, and so on. But I want to ask you, was David really the king of Israel? And it turns out that he wasn't. He wasn't because David also had a king. His king was the king of kings. And we're told that he was a man after God's own heart. So if you have a king and you are a king, it turns out that that king is king of what you're king of. And so God had this plan in place. That David would lead the people of Israel and they would be a light to the nations. In fact, the nations would be blessed because they were blessed by God. That they would create for them a prayer house for all nations. That they would be drawn, that the nations of the world would be drawn to them because of how God is blessing them. And everybody would know of this God who's the God of all gods and the king of all kings. And that God loves them and wants them and wants a relationship with them. And that was the plan. But Israel didn't step up to the plan. And so what we see as part of God's plan is that, well, the king of kings, the king of David, actually becomes a man. And he puts on human skin, fully human and fully God. His name is Jesus. And he walks this earth. And when he comes, we're told that when the angel comes to Mary, that he is going to be a saviour for everyone. That he's not just going to be a saviour for one person or one group of people. He is going to be a saviour for the Gentile, for the Jew, for everyone who will ever be born and ever breathe. He is going to be their saviour. And Paul picks up on this in Ephesians 2, and he talks about how there was once you know, this wall of division, and there were these people who were like God's people. That was, the, that was Israel. But, but now that wall is taken down, and in fact, everybody is welcomed through the blood of Jesus Christ into this family and one new humanity. When Jesus comes, there is a new covenant created. And, and we talk about the Great Commission. And if you've been around church any length of time, you will have heard of the Great Commission. But really, we should look at the Great Commission as the Great Covenant or a new covenant. Because what is happening in this moment is in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, we read, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. In other words, I am God. And then he says, and here's part of the deal of the relationship of God and people Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then God says, as you go and do that, I will be with you always to the ends of the age. And something shifts and something changes. And it turns out from that moment that anyone who would say yes to Jesus, anyone who would call in the name of Jesus, anyone who would say, Jesus, you love me. Well, I'm gonna love you back, I'm gonna live for you. Anyone who would take on that reality of Jesus first, He is the way, the truth, and life. He is my Lord, anyone who would say that and take up the invitation of Jesus Christ would get a seat at the table and a seat at the banquet and the greatest party the universe will ever know. There's a seat for you. It's reserved for you. Now Jesus picks this up in Luke 14, 7 to 11 and, and 15 to 23. I'm gonna read through this. And Jesus at this moment is in a, a room. He's filled with um, you no know, people who've been invited to this like chief Pharisee's house. And another way, it's nice to get invited somewhere, but some people love to like name drop and, oh, well, I got invited to their wedding. I got invited to their party. Well, in this context, it's a bit of a like name drop. We're at his house. And well, Jesus, he noticed, we read, that how the guests picked the places of honor at the table. And then he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast... Do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. And if so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, or in Belfast we'd say scundered you would be, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to the better place. That's good. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then we read from verse 15 to 23. And I'm using the message paraphrase just to capture catch the essence of this. Well, this triggered a response from one of the guests. How fortunate the one who gets to eat dinner in God's kingdom. No, gets a seat at the table. How good am I to get that? Well, Jesus follows this up, and he says, yes, and here's the parable. For there was once a man who threw a great dinner party and invited many. And when it was time for dinner, he sent out his servant to the invited guests, saying, come on in, the food's on the table. Then they all began to beg off, one after another, making excuses. The first said, oh, well, I've bought a piece of property, and I need to go and look it over. Sorry, can't come. Another said, well, I've bought five teams of oxen and, well, I really need to check them out. Send my regrets. Another said, I just got married and need to get home to my wife. In other words, my wife won't let me go. <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah, I said in the last service, that could be true. So the servant went back and told the master what had happened. He was outraged and told the servant, quickly, get out into the city streets and the alleys. Collect all who look like they need a square meal, all the misfits and all the homeless, all the wretched that you can lay your hands on, and bring them here. And the servant reported back, Master, I did what you commanded, and there's still room. There's still room. And the master said, The master being Jesus, he said, Then go to the country roads. Whoever you find, drag them in. I want my house full just going to land that there. I want my house full. Now, when I read through this parable, I don't know about you, but I am drawn to the guys who make excuses of not being there. Uh, and that's probably where I want to go. First of all, in my head, uh, I just want to like, Oh no, they didn't come. But what Jesus wants us to see is not the, well, they didn't come. It's the power of the invitation. It's the fact that Jesus wants you at the table. Jesus wants you in the kingdom. Jesus has set a table, prepared a meal. You are so valued by him. He sees you. He knows you intimately. He loves you passionately. He pursues you consistently. He is just on you and loves you and wants you. And he's saying, I want you to be at this meal. I want you to take a seat in my kingdom because if you're not there, it's just not going to be the same. The beautiful invitation of Jesus that he wants you at the feast. Yeah, we can focus on those who didn't come. And it goes a bit like this. It's like a wedding invitation. No, it comes through the door. First of all, you think, oh, this is going to cost me a fortune. Okay, it's just me. Um, then, then you get the invitation. You're really excited. Uh, and you get the invitation, and there's usually like a little save the date. And you stick it somewhere to remind yourself, save the date. And then what happens is the date comes. Uh, and this is the picture here. So the, the, the meal's ready. No, the pre-starter, starter, fish course, main, pre-dessert, dessert. Because I watch like uh, Best British, all that menu and all stuff, uh, I've got it nailed, okay? So you're going to have a feast. And it's all ready. Now come. Uh, this Thursday. Now, I, I know the banquet's at night, okay? See, I've got to see that. This, this is a, a supper. It's at night. It's pitch dark outside, okay? It's, uh, this is what the, the image would be. And then you've got some guy going, well, actually, I bought a field. I haven't seen the field, but I'm gonna go in the pitch dark in the middle of the night before torches were invented, and I'm going to inspect the field. (laughs) What an excuse. And then you have this guy's like, "Oh, I know it's pitch dark, and it's, uh, but I've bought these five oxen. No, I've spent or five sets of oxen. I've spent an absolute fortune on them. I've never looked at them. I've never inspected them. For all I know, they've like, three legs and they're lying dead in the field somewhere. But on Thursday night, oh, middle of the dark, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna test out my oxen. they'll see how straight they go up and down the field. Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho! And and then you have this guy's like, just married." Um, just married, um, we've got no kids, we've got no responsibilities, we've all the time in the world, life's a party, and you're inviting us to the greatest party in the world. Oh, sorry, I just can't come. And we can focus in on those excuses, but we, we think of the invitation. I love how the invitations expanded out. And, and for me, I find it really comforting. Um... I, whenever we read through the, in the different translations of Scripture, words like poor and crippled and lame and blind are used. And it's like, Jesus, no, these guys aren't going to come, so we'll go and get those guys. And, and, and we've got to say for what it is, I find it comforting because I can really relate to people who are poor in a sense not, not because I'm poor, but because really what poor means is that you've limited resources to get you to God. To get you a seat at the table. When we think of those who are crippled, what the image there is, is that someone is crippled that either at birth or during their life, something has happened to them that will really restrict their potential. Now when I put it like that, I can relate to that. When you think of the lame, that's someone whose legs or feet don't work the way they should. And so what they find is that it's hard to get to where they know they want to be. It's like going around in circles. Everything's an effort. Sometimes I can definitely relate to that. And when it comes to the blind, well, that really is just someone who needs assistance to find their way. I I can definitely relate to that as someone who, for a chunk of my life, tried to do life without Jesus Christ. I can certainly relate to that. I need assistance to find my way. And Jesus expands this invitation, and he says, You're welcome at the table. And if you see what's happening here is those who feel they're entitled, those who, oh, look at me, I am so wonderful and so religious and so perfect. I can, I can earn my way to the table because I am so perfect. I, can, I deserve a place at the table because look at me. And, I, I, and, and it's this sense of, I, I, I have a privilege to be here. And Jesus is saying, actually, the, the first who were invited Well, because they didn't turn up, they're going to the back of the queue. And see those people that they have rejected and kept from the table. They're going to the front of the line. The first are going to be last. And the last, they're going to be first. I'm going to let them come. The reality is, it's those who are humble enough to admit that they can't get a seat at the table on their own, those who can't earn their way or don't deserve a seat. It's those who find themselves sitting at the greatest banquet in the history of the world. And I wonder sometimes if the Church of Jesus Christ saw the value by which they are invited, would that overflow? Because there's something about when you know how much you value, someone values your presence at the feast. Well, you, you want to you let people know that, but, but more than that, if you know you've got an invitation in your pocket that they can come with you, how, how much more exciting is that? And that is the picture of this parable. The second point I want to focus in on is the future of church. People say, what's the future going to look like? No. What's the future of church going to look like? What's the future of business going to look like? What's the future of society going to look like? Who knows all of that? But I can answer the one about church. What's the future of church going to look like? People say, oh, well, it's going to be more online, all these things. Who knows? But I know this. That the future of church is how does it align us more with the great commission of Jesus Christ? I know whatever it looks like, it has to align us more with the great commission of Jesus Christ, not less. It has to be more about reaching people who don't yet know that there's a seat reserved for them in the kingdom of God. Whatever it looks like, it has to look more like that. Now we're going to get to the commission, but before the commission... I wonder if the church needs to have a season of confession. And I'm not just talking about our church, I'm talking about every follower of Jesus Christ in the Western culture and society. You See, when, whenever we read through this parable, just before Jesus talks about the parable, we read about it, didn't we? So Jesus is in this Pharisee's house and he's watching them. He's watching how everybody, they're not just happy to be at the table. They're not just happy to get an invitation. They want the best seats. They want to be seen. No, get closer to the host and no, get to the top table and be seen. That's, that's the plan. More interested in getting better seats than seeing empty seats. And I wonder if the church of Jesus Christ needs to confess our pursuit of comfort over the great commission and covenant of Jesus Christ. Now we do see that these guys made lots of excuses. Oh, I've got the cows, I need to go and check them out. I've got Whatever. And we're good at excuses, aren't we? Now, genuinely, I, I, I can be good at them, but if I took a recording of some excuses I've heard over the years, my goodness, they're brilliant, no. The one that jumped into my mind straight away was oh, Pastor, too busy, no. Uni two days a week, and then I work in the spa on a Saturday, life is just shattered. And, you know, it's the equivalent of me standing with Laura and Laura going, I'm just excited for the hairdressers opening and me going, so am I. That's why I can't reach people for Jesus because my hair needs done. Do you know, it's, this is the foolishness of the excuses. And I do wonder, has the Church of Jesus Christ, have we been making too many excuses to stay comfortable And not take seriously the great commission of reaching the lost. And I wonder if we need to confess that. I wonder and I would suggest that perhaps we need to all take some time in our week we need to allow God to examine our hearts and ask him to show us it's not for me to judge your heart i know some people are just so busy with life and all that and we're not talking about that but have we been too competitive for the best seats at the table and have we been too comfortable So I'm going to get to the Great Commission. Verse 22, chapter 14, Luke. Uh, Yeah, God puts these things in scripture so that people like me can stand on the platform and preach. And it says this, there is still room. You got to love that, don't you? There is still room. Jesus is sending people out uh, and he's sending the servants out and they're bringing people in and there's still room. There's still room. There's still seats available. There's still seats at the banquet for people to come and take their place. There is still room. When I read this, and if you want to get a glimpse into the mind of Christ, he's not happy with empty seats. That's what we see in this parable. But the host of the party, Jesus Christ, he is not happy with the empty seats. See, they come back and say, We'll fill some of the seats. And Jesus is like, But that's not good enough. You've got to fill them all. He says, Urgently, go, quickly, go and fill the seats. Today on our feed at UT, we have put Um, alpha online and if you know of the alpha course it's about exploring the Christian faith and we've put this online knowing what's happening this morning to say to people who are you inviting (laughs) it's a very practical response to say well I could invite them to come because there are empty seats in the kingdom of God and people don't even know that they are invited well that's a practical response the picture here is going into the streets, the valleys, the alleys, the highways, the hedges. It's really a picture of going beyond your comfort zone and your circle. And I love the fact that we have burdens for people in our worlds. No, but I know people who want to see their non-Christian husband come to faith. I know people who want to see their kids saved. I, I, of course, of course, all of that. This is not an or question. But what this parable is saying to us is this, that we need to expand our search. We need to expand our invitation beyond our comfort circle. so quickly fill the seats. If they live under a hedge or they live in a house, invite them. <laughs> if you're a friend or a stranger, invite them. If they're familiar to you or unfamiliar, they're just not like you at all, invite them. Now, you hear this phrase, don't you? They're my kind of people. Oh, my kind of people. What do you mean is that people like me, people who make me feel comfortable? Well, Jesus is saying that you got to reach beyond your kind of people. The picture here is not about anything else but empty seats and going to fill them. It's this urgency. It's saying, um, if you've got to go to hedges, if you've got to go to the highways, byways, if you've got to go to the streets, if you've got to go to the alleyways, if you've got to go to the universities, if you've got to go to wherever you've got to go to reach people and invite them to this feast, to let them know that they are valued and seen by the true and living God and that he loves them intensely and intimately and he wants them to have a seat at his table. Wherever you got to go, you go. It's not about the person. It's not a focus on, well, we've got to reach poor people. We've got to reach rich people. We've got to, no, no, no. It's wherever there are people who have yet to know that they're invited to the feast, we've got to go and tell them. That is the challenge. Now, to bring this to a close, um, the image that really couldn't leave my mind and got deep inside my heart was, when Jesus is telling this parable and he's saying to the servant, no, now go. And the servant there is the picture of the church. Now go, go tell, go bring, go invite. And I think to myself of, no, Jesus is like saying the church is coming, Do you know? The church is coming. They're coming to tell you, to invite you. The dinner's ready, everything's prepared, everything's ready. You, You don't need to do anything. I've done it all. All you gotta do is take your place. The church is coming. The church is coming with their invite. The church is coming. And you see this in the early church, don't you? People, men and women of faith filled with the spirit of God, just, yeah, let's go. Let's go anywhere. No persecuted, no beaten, and dying for their faith. And they're like, oh, well... Marry him, let's move on, let's keep the focus, let's, you know, comfort was never in their mind, and they, and they just pursue, and like Jesus, like, yeah, my church is coming, my church is coming, and, and I, I think of the person, I think of the person who's losing their business because of a pandemic, and they're sitting in a house on their own, and they're wondering, what do I do? And Jesus, well, he would say, my church is coming. My church is coming because they know there's empty seats. My church is coming. I, I think of the person who is, is just like in a marriage and their, their husband is just like a monster. And they're like, I, I don't know if I can take another day of this. And well, Jesus' heart is, don't worry, don't worry, my church is coming. I, I, I think of the, the the kids who who just... No, are unseen and unforgotten in their homes. And it's like, Jesus, don't worry, don't worry, kids. Don't worry. My, my church is coming. I think of the people in our city who wake up every day, like Stephen Nolan, and say, There's a hole in my heart, and I, I want to believe. I want to know. I, I. And Jesus' is like, Don't worry, my church is coming. The army is rising, <laughs> marching together. We're just coming to invite you. We're coming to invite you out of the overflow. We got the, we, we got an invite. We're, we're going to be at the seat. You know, the enemy comes and tells you you're not worthy to sit at the seat. Jesus, like, it'll not be the same without you. He's always about the unworthy bit. Jesus is always about, but I've made you worthy. Come on, take your seat. Well, well, I've got a seat and I invite you to take yours. The church is coming. He finishes with compel them to come. No, drag them in. (laughs) No, it's like, don't Literally, you know, just throwing that out there. Just don't go find someone on an electric scooter and just trail them off it, drag them up a road and bring them into church. That's not what I'm saying. But the the process here, the principle here is just don't give up. And I, I think there's people in my life, if I'm being honest, I thought. I don't know if they'll ever get it. And this parable just reminds me, "Well, Stephen, just don't give up. Just try something different. Just just do something, but just don't give up. But while you're not giving up there, make sure you find somebody under a hedge, or somebody in your office or somebody in your uni, or somebody in your school or somebody in your works. Just Find someone who you can let them know that they've got a seat at the table of the greatest party that will ever be thrown in the kingdom of God. And it'll just not be the same without them. Can we stand? See, for me, I, I, I'm i asking myself, who am I inviting? <laughs> you know? and, I, and I think this is a moment for you to ask yourself, who are you inviting? Who have you given up on that you'd... I just need to try something different. I'm going to find 10 Christian friends. I'm going to ask them to pray for six months. I'm going to ask them to pray and pray and pray until I see a breakthrough. I'm going to try something different. In fact, it's been 10 years now, if I'm being honest, since I've invited them or asked them or encouraged them or spoken to them. Maybe something's shifted. Maybe I'll just go back and revisit that. No. I'll we'll just stop talking as much and love a bit more but I'm going to try something different but, but who, who are we inviting now when you read the alpha post later on alpha online you go oh you taste an alpha online you go oh good no 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 who are we inviting oh, online's not the same as in person I've got my five sets of oxen and I need to go and check them out in the middle of the night. That's what that excuse just runs with. You know? I know it's not the same. But when you read this parable, it's not about comfort. Who who are we inviting? Isn't it great when you see new Christians, young Christians? your church. You meet them and they come and do you know they never come alone do they? <laughs> they always bring somebody with them, do you know, come to church today. And we look at it we go, isn't that brilliant? And could it be Busy trying to find better seats, rearrange seats, pin seats, change the color of seats. invitation. reached that place where you said Jesus you did all that for me well I'm going to give my life for you I'm going to give you it all all the stuff uh, I'm worried about all the stuff I'm happy about all the stuff I love all the stuff I hate uh, I'm just going to give you it all and I'm asking you Jesus that you would help me live every day life trying to work out what that looks like. That's over my And then, and if you're in that in that place today and you started that I make the party because I'm there I'm going to live in the value of the invitation and so as I come to pray if you would like me to include you in a prayer that says Jesus I give you my life or if you would like to join with me in that prayer then you do that today ask the question once just this morning is there anyone in the room who would like to let me know that they're in that place where they're saying yeah i just going to live my life for Jesus I'm going to give him my life I'm going to be a Christian a follower of his if you could well everybody's got their eyes closed and we're respecting the moment that you could just give me a wave with your hand We pray. Father, we want to thank you that we are invited. And to be invited is to be wanted. And to be wanted is to be loved. And to be loved is the very purpose of our souls. And from that position of Thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts. Check us out on our Facebook, Instagram at UT Belfast.